0: Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes, and this week we're continuing on with part number two of our story about Stirling Castle. So join me as we jump into part two Stirling Castle. just picking up where we left off from the last episode, Uh, so basically during the reign of King James V, he created the centrepiece of the castle, this was the royal palace. Now like his father, James V died young, leaving his daughter Mary to become Mary I of Scotland, also known as Mary Queen of Scots. In the 1550s, whilst Scotland was under the regency of Mary's mother, that would be Mary of Guise, artillery fortifications were added to the southern approach of the castle. Now this is known as the French spur, which forms part of the existing outer defences. After Mary's forced abdication and the crowning of her son King James VI of Scotland, Stirling fell into a little bit of ruin and decay. That was until his wife, Anne of Denmark, decided to birth their first child at the castle in 1593. Now, during this time, the current standing chapel royal was built for Prince Henry's baptism in August of 1594. In 1603, James also then became King James I of England and the royal family therefore moved to London. After this move, the castle became more of a military base than that of a royal residence. It also acted as a prison for persons of rank during the 17th century. James VI returned for a brief stay in July 1617, at which time roof repairs were undertaken. In 1625, extensive repairs were made to the castle in anticipation for a visit from the new king, King Charles I. However, he did not actually visit until 1633 and his visit was very, very brief. After the execution of King Charles I, his successor, Charles II, was the last reigning monarch to stay at the castle in 1650. In that same year, at the Battle of Dunbar, King Charles II's royalist army were defeated by an army of Oliver Cromwell and defeated again at the final battle of the English Civil War at the Battle of Worcester in 1651. This led to Charles II fleeing to Europe and was exiled. Now, just so that you know, this particular period of history... Um, And probably each individual James, uh, because there is a thing about all of the Jameses in Scottish history, I will be covering them in separate episodes. Not necessarily in the very near future, but definitely in the future. We're also going to be going on to talk about the Covenanters as well, and that is going to be another topic which we will be covering in the future. So obviously, a lot of this, if you've listened to every single episode, I've probably mentioned a lot of this before, um, however, not gone into the topics as such. So just so that you know, these things will be covered. Okay, so please, if if it's confusing, let me know, but uh, hopefully it's not, all right. So uh, Stirling Castle uh, was the focus of a siege in August of 1651 and after the garrison mutinied and the castle was surrendered to General Monk at that point was under Cromwell's leadership. Some of the damage to the castle received during this particular siege can still be seen on parts of the Great Hall and the Chapel Royal inside of the castle. After the restoration of King Charles II to the British throne, once again the castle was used as a prison. This time it was a prison for the aforementioned covenanters. Between 1681 and 1685, the use of the castle now moved primarily to a military garrison, with an official garrison moving in in 1685. As with most Scottish castles, Stirling also had its part to play in the Jacobite uprisings in both 1715 and 1745. During both of these periods, the castle was under the control of the government troops. In January 1746, Bonnie Prince Charlie laid siege to the castle, but his army was repelled. Even after defeating the government forces at the Battle of Falkirk, the castle remained in government hands and the Jacobites withdrew north on the 1st of February 1746, which obviously led to the Battle of Culloden. From 1800 onwards, the castle was owned by the War Office and from then on was run as a barracks. So each individual part of the castle that was used as, um, within this particular setting is laid out as such. So the Great Hall, I think I mentioned it in episode one, became the accommodation block. The Chapel Royal became a lecture theatre and a dining area. The King's Old Building became the infirmary. And the Royal Palace became the Officer's mess. Now this led to a new prison and a new powder magazine being constructed in 1810. The barracks became the depot for the 72nd Highland Regiment of Foot alongside the 91st Argyleshire Highlanders Regiment of Foot in 1873. In 1881, the 91st Argyleshire Highlanders Uh, amalgamated with the 93rd Sutherland Highlanders to form the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders which of course is very original. Now although the castle is still their main headquarters the only sole remaining company now resides at Redford Barracks in Edinburgh and have done so since as recently as 2014. So until that point they were still living in the castle. Now from here I'm going to enter into sort of the modern day periods of the castle because what I don't want to do is, I think I've mentioned it again in a few episodes before, is I don't want to give you all of the information because hopefully you're going to be able to visit Scotland in the hopefully in the near future that's something i'm going to talk about at the end of this episode um but basically you know i don't want to sort of ruin the entire thing for you i want you to be able to arrive at the castle and find out some other things or alternatively do some research of your own um i could go into military architecture but i'd think when I did that in I think the Edinburgh Castle episode it didn't go down particularly well um, because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to military and stuff like that so uh, I tend to just kind of leave it. So I'll just enter into sort of what Stirling Castle is used as in its modern day, um, but of course if you have any other questions about it or you want me to go into the mil- uh, the medieval architecture and stuff like that of the castle in another episode, I can do so, uh, not, not a bother whatsoever. Uh, but basically, um, coming into the modern day, like Edinburgh Castle, it does have a large open esplanade at the main entrance gate of the castle. The Esplanade has been used for concerts, and some of the acts which have appeared there are R.E.M., Bob Dylan, Rod Stewart, and, of course, Runrig. It is also here where Sterling's Hogmanay celebrations take place. Again, much like uh, Edinburgh Castle. Well, Edinburgh Castle is used mainly for the military tattoo, and also where a lot of fireworks are set off during Hogmanay, which is really awesome. Now the castle has a very similar appearance to Colditz Castle in Germany uh, and for this reason it was used uh, for exterior shots for the television show uh, in the 1970s called Colditz. Now the castle is of course now open as a major tourist attraction in Scotland And it shortly will reopen to visitors as Scotland slowly reopens after its COVID restrictions. Again, this is something which I'm going to talk about at the end of this episode. Now, from the Esplanade as well, on a clear day, you will get unrestricted views Of the Oakle Hills uh, which is the highland boundary line so Stirling is in the lowlands but you can see the boundary line between the lowlands and the highlands. Stirling Castle is uh, or the area around Stirling is very very flat Uh, there's a few sort of volcanic crags and things like that however when you're on Stirling Castle you can look you can see for miles uh, around especially again on a clear day it's just flat 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 land everywhere um, so, you know, when you're up there, you can see the mountains basically right in front of you, and it's just this massive line uh, of mountains, obviously, the, the Highland boundary line. Uh, but from there as well, you will also uh, get unrestricted views of the famous Wallace Monument. Uh, so, if you're in Stirling, Wallace Monument, and of course, don't forget the site of the Battle of Bannockburn as well. You'll also see the River Forth snaking its way through the city as well. Now, if you do then head out to Edinburgh, you'll also see the Firth of Forth, which uh, is what the River Forth flows into, and you'll see the size difference uh, as well. Uh, and, of course, uh, from the uh, Esplanade, looking down at the Firth of Forth, you will be able to see the new Stirling Bridge. Uh, obviously, the old one fell down um In in 1296, sorry, 1297, uh, at the Battle of Stirling Bridge, a new one was built. um, uh, But it's it's only about 30 yards or so away from where the original uh, wooden bridge had been built. Now from here I think you can kind of tell is by far one of the best places uh, to take in the views and especially when you look down upon the area where the Battle of Stirling Bridge took place you can really really start to imagine uh, in your head even being a soldier garrisoned in the castle and watching this battle take place down on the land below you. It is an incredible sight um, and I highly highly recommend it um, if you do get the chance. Uh, There is also uh, a statue of King Robert the Bruce directly outside of the castle. And if you head down the hill, uh, so down the... So remember we mentioned that the Castle's on a crag and tail. So if you head down the tail, you will eventually come across a statue of William Wallace. And if you just go slightly down to the right there, down to the kind of bottom of the hill, down to the right, you'll find another two Roberts, another two statues of men called Robert. First of all, you've, of course, got Robert Burns, uh, but another one is Robert McGregor. That would be Rob Roy McGregor that we talked about in a much earlier episode. So, folks, I think that kind of wraps up for uh, Stirling Castle now. Uh, Again, there is a couple of things I would like to talk to you about. Um, I share uh, this podcast a lot on quite a few uh, Facebook groups so I do you know kind of keep up to uh, up to date with kind of what's being talked about and one of the things of course which is being talked about is uh, traveling to Scotland. Travel to Scotland at this moment in time is still banned. You cannot travel internationally uh, to Scotland. Uh, It is banned. Well it's not technically banned When you arrive here, you have to quarantine for 14 days, so you cannot leave your hotel room for 14 days when you arrive here. Um, So basically, at this moment in time, Scotland is technically still closed for tourism. I'm seeing a lot of people who are thinking about booking to come to Scotland in the summer. It's not going to happen, folks. I'm afraid it's not going to happen, and if it does happen, I will be very, very surprised. Um, you're going to be looking at probably at least September, um, I would say. September, even October. If you're planning a trip to Scotland, do not think about it until next year. Um, Now, I will obviously change that when things do happen. But at this moment in time, there is no timescale to say when international travel and international tourism is going to be possible. Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and I hate to be the person that has to say this. However, if you are planning a trip to Scotland, plan it for 2022. Don't plan it for this year, because I don't want you to lose your money, basically. If uh, you know if you end up not getting a refund or whatever, don't rush this. Keep waiting until everything is fine again. Basically is is what I'm saying. Um, I've seen people who, I've even had emails from people who have said, yeah, we've booked a trip in June. It's not going to happen. June is not going to happen. It's too soon. You need to be fully vaccinated before you come across to Scotland as well. Um, So please make sure if you are planning on coming to Scotland that you have your vaccine um, and everything like that. Um, Again, I I don't really kind of mean to pipe on um, but it is kind of quite important. If you want to come over to Scotland and you want to enjoy it, don't come at a time when Scotland and quite a lot of Scotland is probably still going to be closed. And a lot of these castles are going to be um, on bookings only. So you're going to have to book at this moment in time. I still not cannot travel 15 miles to go and see my parents because they're in a different district. So, you know, things still have not started to open here. Do not get excited. Remember that Scotland as well has a different government to England. So when you're looking at travel restrictions and everything like that and you're planning on coming to Scotland, look at Scotland's government guidelines, not the UK or England's government guidelines. Look at Scotland's government guidelines. Once again, if you've got any questions, email me, message me, do anything and I will help you. I'll give you all of the information in which you need and then when Scotland finally is reopened there'll be a big massive announcement about it. Don't you worry about that. And when any of you are over here you hit me up we'll go and grab a whisky somewhere or a beer or a soft drink whatever. It will happen folks. Okay, You will be able to come back here at some point point. and I'm hoping that it's soon please wait until the government say that it is okay to come here. So on that note we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Um, again, if you need to contact me or want to contact me about anything which I've said, contact me via Facebook. So that's facebook.com forward slash scotthistorypod Twitter at Um Instagram, that's again at scotthistorypod. Use the website scotthistorypod.com and uh, of course if you want to support the podcast you can do so via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com forward slash Pod as well. So folks, once again, thank you very much for listening and I will see you again next time.